We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. Well, hello, all my scene to lead people out there that are working to better support, engage, and empower all those they serve. You know, typically, I start to show off with a bio of a guest. Well, don't worry, we have a guest today, and he is actually a fantastic guest. But one of the things I need to lay out first is we're doing something different. We're going to mix it up. I like to try something different every little once in a while to kind of push my thinking and make sure that I am certain as to the direction I'm heading in. So this one is actually a series. We're going to try doing a series, a four-part series on divergent thinking and leadership. It's a divergent thinking and leadership series, and there's going to be four episodes And the first one is going to be the guests and I talking about the current situation as we see it for students in our school systems and leadership philosophies and how the solution that this individual has come up with is really a key piece in moving education forward. And then we're going to go into leadership growth and how to grow leaders because they don't disappear. And then we're going to talk about some of the key pillars of this individual's answers, which are personal development, professional development, and leadership development. Wrap it all up with human development, because after all, isn't that what we're all here for? So enough from me about what we're doing different, because I really want to dive into this. I'm excited to talk to Sam today. Let's talk about flex time in schools. The potential benefits to our students make it worth exploring. More time for personalized learning, increased choice and agency for students, and the increased engagement that comes along with it. Dedicated time for intervention. Overall, as school leaders, it gives us and our faculty more tools to increase academic achievement. But the implementation and management of flex time can be a challenge. Tricky logistics and a lack of clear accountability systems can prevent teachers from buying in and can hold us back from ensuring students make good use of their time. I'm pleased to share that MyFlex Learning provides a solution to these challenges and more. MyFlex Learning helps you create and manage flexible time for any purpose, and with seamless SIS integration, a student locator, flexible daily rostering, and an intuitive mobile app, it eliminates the common challenges of implementation and management. Want to see for yourself? Visit MyFlexLearning.com slash B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year of use. That's MyFlexLearning.com slash B-E. I think a big reason for that is the success of others in the room. So when you're in an environment where everyone's growing, you're seeing those advancements, not just within yourself, but within others. And that inspiration is something that spreads. So when you see a group of eight students going through a class together, and it's hard to articulate how deep of friendships form in that space because everybody is authentically pursuing their unique ideas, their unique purpose. So it creates a a space of vulnerability to a degree 
And when you see others that are achieving within that space and we're all celebrating and cheering, it adds that encouragement to see that it's possible. And so the environment itself, even if someone hasn't taken those steps to, to advance their ideas yet, to be in an environment where others are, it automatically rubs off on them. Dr. Chris Jones here and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thought dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Sam Terrell is a serial entrepreneur and a TEDx speaker. He's the founder of Divergent U, which is a one-year alternative to college located in Orlando, Florida, to help students discover their professional purpose and achieve their dream lifestyle. Uh, anybody that knows me knows why I'm pretty excited to talk to Sam today. So Sam, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. You know, this is, this is good because it's different. We talk about divergent thinking and how we have to do things differently and, and think creatively. So this is totally out of the norm for me and that in and of itself excites me. The thing that drew me to you and divert you is that it's something out of the norm. And it's something out of what we consider the traditional pathway, which is so effective in what's needed. So like I said earlier, enough about me talking. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about Divergent You, how it came about, and give us a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. Well, again, thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Uh, I think the best place to start is with the philosophical approach to divergent thinking versus convergent thinking. So uh, a simple way to frame this up is convergent thinking is thinking to a set point. So if you imagine two plus two equals four is a convergent question. Four is the correct answer. Two plus two will always equal four. You can put that on a standardized test. So any standardized test that exists is testing divergent, I'm sorry, testing convergent thinking because it's convergent to a singular right answer. Whereas divergent thinking, you can picture as a opening. It's more opening the mind, it's expanding from so you could ask the question like, what is your professional purpose? Like you said in the introduction to what Divergent you uh, helps students to discover. So a question like that doesn't have a singular check the box right answer, right? It's something that's nuanced and it, it is based on the individual. So a lot of what we do at Divergent U is based around that core concept of divergent thinking, where we see the individual themselves as a divergent thinker, which means their ideas expand. And so the education is not us essentially filling their head with ideas and testing them on those ideas. It's us collaborating with what's already there and helping them expand those ideas that they have. And so we see education as a collaboration with the student, not a lecture, so to speak. It's more about how do we make their goals a reality? How do we make their ideas a reality? And so the frameworks that we teach and the principles that we go over in our personal development, professional development, leadership development are all based on meeting the student where they're at and individualizing a lot of what we do to the student. So that's kind of the baseline philosophy. I'm sure we can unpack that more, but that, that's kind of where it started. 
You know, you mentioned certain things that we'd love to talk about in education today. And that's meeting the student where they're at, individualizing instruction, collaborating, not just filling them. You know, they say education is not the filling of a bucket, but the lighting of a fire. So how does what Divergent you doing, how does that look different than what we're doing in schools? Absolutely. So Divergent U is a one-year alternative to college. This is after students get out of high school. And what we're doing differently on the college front is it's not a, a list of majors to choose from. So they don't come into Divergent U and select a major. They come into Divergent U and it's one-on-one coaching from the beginning. They meet with a coach one-on-one once a week. And we're drawing out what's already there with the students. So we're asking them what their passions are, what their interests are, and helping them to explore those interests through entrepreneurship as the vehicle. So what I mean by that is how do you take an idea and turn it into a skill or a creation that can serve others? So that ultimately is a product or service, which becomes a can become a business. But whether or not you're starting a business, the practice of delivering that skill or creation, you can practice through entrepreneurship, which then allows you to develop that skill, which then can help expand how you can serve the market with that, whether that's by landing a job in that skill or starting your own business. It starts off pretty abstract because every student's different. Some have a more tangible goal. Some have a lot of passions. They don't really know where to start. So a lot of that's in the one-on-one coaching. And then the workshops that we do, which are the classes, we keep the class sizes below 12 students, usually eight to 10 students per class. And the workshops are more the universal principles around personal development, around business development, leadership development, like I said, those three pillars. And those workshops are lectures. So it starts with the question of the day on a whiteboard. And every student has to answer that question verbally. They're writing it down and then they're sharing it with the group. And so that practice helps students to, one, answer that original question with their, you know, it's a divergent question. So something like, what is the purpose of thinking is the first question of the day on the very first day of class. And so everyone will write their answer. What's the purpose of thinking? Everyone shares that answer. And so that helps students to articulate their own ideas and also recognize that everybody's different. Everyone has different ideas. There's not a single right answer. And so they get more and more confident sharing their voice. That's one of the ways that it's different is how personalized it is to each of the students. So you talk about the growth in confidence and being able to articulate what they're passionate about. That takes a certain level of knowing themselves, right? I mean, we get into high school when we're talking about high school students. And oftentimes, if I get in front of a class in high school and say, okay, tell me what you're passionate about. Sometimes you're met with blank stares. Other sure. times you are met with downturned eyes because they're too shy or they're too concerned what their neighbor's going to think about them for saying that. How do you deal with students that come out of high school thinking that because they've decided not to go to college and that's fine, whatever career path an individual takes, but typically they're the students that are more searching for something. So they might not know who they are. And right. so they might not be able to articulate what they're passionate about. How does Divergent you help with things like that? Well, we would start with looking at their time. Where do they spend their time? Where do they invest a lot of that time? Whether that's, even if that's in watching videos or playing games or something like that, there's still an interest in what they're watching or what they're playing. That opens the door for us to explore something, right? Obviously, it depends on the student. Another thing, one of the questions that we would ask a student in that situation is, if you had 10 hours to give to anyone for any reason, how would you spend those 10 hours? And so that's usually a good place to start as well, because it 
like one of one of our students, for example, was a college basketball player, came back to Divergent U afterwards and was questioning like what he wanted to do next. And so the one of the things he was passionate about was basketball and training kids came up as what he would want to do if he had that 10 hours to get. It's like, okay, that's interesting. That's a skill that you could develop. Basketball training is a is a industry that he could then start to explore. So it, it gives you something to start with. So that, that's how we would start there. So, you know, we're, we're talking about this alternative to colleges. And me personally, at my school, we've, we've looked for different avenues to help students find something, whatever it is, to be productive and to be self-confident and to be successful when they get out of school. What does, what does preparation to be successful in Divergent U, is it something that they can just walk into even if they've had the worst high school experience because those are out there where they have no idea what they want to do. Maybe they've been in trouble discipline-wise because they were bored or they were just kind of lost or they have their own struggles. Or is it a certain type of student or is there a certain type of preparation that high schools can do to help students be more successful in diverging? Yeah. I think that the mindset is important. So there's definitely... How do I say this? There's definitely levels of students that we work with as far as where they're at in their development. I think the student that gets the most out of Divergent U is a student who comes in with some idea that they want to pursue, usually from an entrepreneurial standpoint, that they just don't know how to explore. So I'll give an example of that. We had a, a student named Josh Thompson. He started Divergent U while he was deciding whether or not to finish college. So he was actually taking divergent use classes while taking university classes. And he had an idea to start a soap company called Free the Roots, which is a natural soap company for dreadlocks. They were building an online community. Him and his brother were starting this business, building an online community. They had several thousand followers on Instagram when they started at Divergent U. So he came in a little bit more, a little bit ahead, I would say, than the average student that we have. But through Divergent U, he was able to turn that into a real business. He launched his business after our first graduation ceremony. They're now a seven-figure company. They have over 200,000 followers on Instagram and have been serving an audience with Natural Soap now for the past three or four years since he graduated. So he was one of our first students. So that's a good example of a student who had an idea, wanted to start this business, but didn't know how to do that, didn't know how to expand it. Versus students that come in without any ideas and they're kind of searching for that clarity. That's the other archetype, I would say, of a student is someone who's in that earlier stage. That's why our first trimester is all about that personal development piece to help them discover. So if somebody hasn't discovered what they want to do yet, those first three months are really going to go deep into that self-discovery through the one-on-one coaching, but more importantly, through the actions they take from the one-on-one coaching. So they're setting goals every week and we're checking in on those goals. What did you accomplish? What did you not accomplish? Based on their own interests. And so you'll see a student come in with 10 different, five different interests, for example. We'll have them explore each of them week over week. And you'll notice about three or four weeks in that some of the goals they set, they're not accomplishing. And some of the goals they set, they are accomplishing. The question is, why are you not accomplishing those certain goals? And maybe it's actually, you're not actually as interested in this as you thought. So maybe this isn't the right path. And the things that they are doing, they're obviously there's a little, a deeper interest there. So. It's a lot of trial and error, and it's it's walking through it with the student. I don't know if that answers your question exactly, but that's kind of the uh, that's over. No, it 
It does. And that's, you know, whenever we talk, we've talked a number of times, whenever we talk, a lot of what we talk about is that trial and error piece and having room to be able to follow through on goals, not just set goals, but actually take action on them with that coaching. You can have the best coach in the world, but if you don't listen to that coach, you're not going to improve to where you could improve to. And it speaks to the idea of motivation and engagement, which is what excites me about it. I mean, if you have a student who may not be all that engaged in school, maybe there's been a couple of attempts, they go to divert you and they start to see that traction and they start to get engaged. Do you normally see a track like that for students where maybe they're trying you out because they don't really have an answer? So it's almost, well, let me give this a shot. I, I hear good things about it. And then they start to have that first success and then they really take off. Absolutely. I think a big reason for that is the success of others in the room. So when you're in an environment where everyone's growing, you're seeing those advancements, not just within yourself, but within others. And that inspiration is something that spreads. So when you see a group of eight students going through a class together, and it's hard to articulate how deep of friendships form in that space, because everybody is authentically pursuing their unique ideas, their unique purpose. So it creates a, a space of vulnerability to a degree. And when you see others that are achieving within that space, and we're all celebrating and cheering, it adds that encouragement to see that it's possible. And so the environment itself, even if someone hasn't taken those steps to, to advance their ideas yet, to be in an environment where others are, it automatically rubs off on them. So again, I don't know if that answers your original question, but I think that's my thoughts on that. Answers my question. That was a great answer to the question because you talk about the uniqueness of it and the idea of ideas, purpose, but especially environment. We talk about culture in schools and mm-hmm. whether you have a positive culture, whether you have a negative culture. If you have a learning environment, then that idea of uniqueness, that idea of my passions, my ideas, I'm going to throw it out there. It might be wrong, but I'm safe because I'm in the learning environment and everybody realizes the idea of learning is you fall down before you go anywhere and then you have to get back up. So that's really powerful. Supporting your teachers and students seems to be a struggle. They just don't seem to be engaged. You wish they would take more responsibility for their learning and culture of the building, but they just don't seem to be empowered enough to do it. So my question is, have you checked out the book Seeing to Lead yet? It's all about creating a true educational experience where learning, growth, leadership, and community take center stage. Full of strategies and resources, Seeing to Lead is about attaining that goal by employing a model that supports, engages, and empowers all individuals to become leaders themselves. Pick up a copy today at seeingtolead.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-T-O-L-E-A-D.com. Remember, you don't become a leader and then decide you need to support and recognize others more than yourself. It is the moment you realize it's about supporting and recognizing others that you become a leader. Seeingtolead.com. I'd like if I can shift gears for a second and talk about your unique idea, Divergent You. How did that come about? How did you, I, I, I don't think you were sitting in a field somewhere someday and just all of a sudden, bling, there's clouds opened up and you suddenly decided Divergent You. How'd you come up with it? So it, that's a, it's a long story. I'll start with my background pre-Divergent You. 
So I kind of have to explain where I started my first business. Right out of high school, at 18 years old, I started a business called Hoop Brothers. And Hoop Brothers is a basketball company. We produce videos for high school basketball players to help them earn scholarships for college. I started it to help my brother. It was a side hustle. It wasn't something that I thought would be a big business. It was just something I was doing for fun. But after the first event we partnered with, I realized that I sold like 30 videos and I made more in that weekend than I did in a month at my regular job. So at that point, I realized I could make it into a real business. And I spent the next 10 years building Hoop Brothers nationally. So we've now hired over 300 videographers throughout the US. Uh, Hoop Brothers, depending on the season, is in about 8 to 10 cities every week, filming games for players. Um, we've done over 10,000 videos on our YouTube channel for player highlight videos. And so for me, I was exploring my passion in Hoop Brothers and turning that into a business. I'm now at the point, at the end of last year, I stepped down as CEO as I was running Divergent U and Hoop Brothers. I started Divergent while running Hoop Brothers which I'll get to in a second. But the step down to CEO of Hoop Brothers, that's now fully hands-off. So I've had the success of starting from zero without any investors by myself, building a company around my passion, scaling that nationally to the point of now exiting the company, still a 90% owner, business runs itself. I'm able to focus on helping the next generation do the same thing, which is how do we take an idea and turn it into a profitable business or a profitable career? And since then, I've, I started volunteering to coach students at the local university. I actually didn't finish college. So I dropped out of college while I was running Hoop Brothers because at that point, Hoop Brothers was earning more. It didn't make sense to finish the degree. I was really on campus to take advantage of the resources on campus. But after dropping out, I actually went back to the school and started volunteering to coach student entrepreneurs at the school. And so that was kind of where Divergent You started in some sense was in those coaching sessions. Also, Hoop Brothers internship program. We started an entrepreneurial internship program where we brought students in and they worked with us in Hoop Brothers. I helped them start their own businesses. So I had coached about 50 student entrepreneurs and yeah, student entrepreneurs that were building businesses before I even started Divergent U. And it was at the point where I got fully off my plate. I was able to delegate everything that I was starting to think about what's next. And I was actually pacing around my living room just asking, if you want to call it the universe or prayer, just saying, what's my purpose? Why am I here? And the idea to start a school around divergent thinking had been in my head for a few years because I'd seen firsthand how the college experience wasn't as helpful to my entrepreneurial success as my actual business was. So it was like I was learning things on the fly, running the business, going to classes, hoping to take something away that I could apply and finding not as much information valuable as I thought I would. So that's kind of how it started was pacing around my living room asking like, why am I here? What can I do? And the answer I got, you know, was more of an internal permission, I think, to say, you should do this. You've been wanting to do this for a while. Start the school. And so the last four years have been a lot of beta testing, developing programs, curriculum, partnerships. We've now had 54 graduates from the program officially. And now this year, we're, we're running the one-year program, which is our first time doing a, a full nine-month program. It's been a lot of smaller beta tests that have gotten us to this point. So that's the short version of how I got started. And I think a little lengthy, but that's how we got started. No, not lengthy at all. I, you know, you had me for a minute there. I had made the joke about sitting in a field somewhere that you tell me you're walking around your living room. I'm like, did he really sit in a field type ish? And have this, it's good. You know, you, you talk about the discoveries you made along the way. And, and as a high school leader, I get concerned that we're not giving students that mind frame. 
We're not giving in that mindset. And now I'm not your typical leader. I do things different and I'm not all about the standardized tests and the, you know, you're going to school for compliance. I want that learning to take place. We've put specific programs in my school to, to help that learning take place and to give students that different direction. My concern is, so how do we scale that to use a term from what you were talking about? How does that get scaled into a situation where we're doing the good that Divergent U is doing for students, both on an individual and a large basis? Well, I think it's definitely difficult. I think the root of the problem, there's a, a data point that I like to pull out, which there was a case study done by Breakpoint and Beyond testing divergent thinking in students. They tested over 200,000 students from kindergarten through the graduation of high school in their divergent thinking ability. And 9% of kindergartners tested as geniuses in divergent thinking, which means when presented with a question that could have multiple answers, they came up with more ideas. Uh, a question like, how many uses can you think of for a paperclip? So a kindergartner might have hundreds of answers to that because they're testing at that genius level. Whereas a high school senior and adult only tested 2% at a genius level. So we're going from 98% testing as geniuses to 2% testing as geniuses by the time they graduate high school. I think a large reason for that is the conditioning of our education system, which when it was built during the Industrial Revolution, you're trying to produce obedience. You want followers. And so much of that is systematically ingrained into the way the system works that it's difficult to overcome that. I think on one hand, you want to start at the root level there. Uh, one of our longer term goals is to be able to create schools K through 12. Um, I see that as a hundred year mission. Right now we're focused on the, uh, the college alternative, but eventually I, I can see us getting more involved on some of those lower levels to start from a structural foundation of individualized learning, not much of a factory education system, I would say, where every student is trying to get the same, check the same box or take the same standardized test. So that's the problem that's facing. I think the immediate solution is something that you and I have talked about, which is we're designing that design your life course as an elective course within the high school to help students experience some of this divergent thinking, learning environment at an earlier level. I think Engaging with the students for them to help create what the outcomes are in the class is really important. That's where in Divergent U, it's student-led. So it's the students' ideas that further the education, what they're curious to explore. So that's the brief answer. Do we have to undo or retrain a lot of what's been going on? I don't like the idea of retrain because we're not training animals or, you know, things like that. But there's a lot of training. I think, you know, when you talk about the conditioning of school, I just think about certain aspects of school. A bell rings, everybody gets up and moves and the bell rings. For the longest time, I mean, they've changed it now, but for the longest time, there used to be, you know, God forbid there was a violent incident in a school everybody was told to stay right where they were. And they did because that's what their condition. Whenever we talk about any kind of emergency drill, we talk about how difficult it will be at the high school level until the elementary school students come up after being trained. And often when we talk about breaking these habits about periods and bells and emergency drills and things like that, we talk about the idea of sometimes the teachers, even the adults in the building, 
which we can talk about that in two seconds. But sometimes we just need permission to do something different. Mm -hmm. Think of the idea of needing permission to do something that you think is right, but you it's been ingrained in you that you're not allowed to do. It's a, the system hurts the teachers maybe even more than the students in some sense, like, or at least to a similar degree, because the teachers might know what they can do to help the student, but the system itself is preventing them from doing that because they have to get to the certain standardized tests or something like that. It's definitely a, a problem. It's amazing to me that that occurs. And you know, it's something that if you talk to leaders in schools and teachers as well, I mean, everybody's a leader in their area, but if you talk to like, building administrators. Most of them can tell you which teachers have always been a teacher and which teachers have come from the private sector mm. and done teaching as a second career. There's just, you can see the difference in the thinking and how they react to different situations because the teachers that went right into school, typically they were good at the game of school right? with all the rules and the system, as you called it, where the teachers that were in the private sector are not. And I've been told by other principals and other leaders and superintendents that I'm different because I was in the private sector first before I got into education. It's just really interesting how that affects everybody involved. I think one of the other things that is discouraged heavily in the system is the failure. I think students place this label of failure on themselves if they fail a test. And so failure is highly discouraged. You don't want to fail. Where when you get in the real world, especially with entrepreneurship, failure is the way to succeed. So you have to try. You might need to fail three times before you get to the great success, right? And if you're three failures away from the great success, by not acting at all, you're not going to get to the success because you're too afraid to fail. And I think the the education system in general is teaching students not to pursue their own ideas and to fear failure. So when you diverge from the path, so to speak, you're, there's a slap on the wrist, especially at a younger age. And that conditioning, by the time they get to high school, well, now it's like, I don't even want to be curious. I don't even want to explore my ideas because that's not been celebrated. That's not been encouraged. That's not been supported. So when I do, I'm going to get in trouble. And I think that's where we need to create a culture where failure, especially when it comes to exploring your own ideas, is encouraged. You're not going to get it right on the first try. You know, it, we know this is happening. This is the thing that drives me crazy. We talk about it in many circles about how after fourth or fifth grade, kids stop liking school. And you can see that downturn in the idea. It's not as much about discovery through play. It's not about, you know, throwing you the paper clips and, and the example you used, what can you do with this? It's more about grades. What grade are you getting? What are you doing to get that grade? And where do you fall in the standardized test piece? And we don't do anything about it. It's just, it's frustrating. <laughs> People can see the video. I'm, my hands are starting to go. It's just. It is. It is. I think the solution again is has to be somewhat individualized. It has to be, and on a, at a, systematic level, it has to be the teachers pulling aside students one-on-one, asking them, encouraging here and there. And they don't have the time to do that. They don't have those, find those pockets, like where you can have that one sentence or that one thing you can say, or that one question you can ask, get finding those pockets with each student that I think encourages 
but it's fighting against the system. It is fighting against the, again, the mindset of obedience, having students obey. And there's an important element to that, but you don't want to do it to the detriment of their original ideas and their curiosity. That's what we want to foster and, and encourage is for students to lead. For, they're the next generation of leaders. We want them to be prepared to lead. And I think we're going to talk about this in another another episode potentially, but just quickly on AI. Artificial intelligence is now in a position where it can do a lot of the following. And so when you need that obedience, technology is much more advanced than it was 150 years ago when the system was being designed, right? So we need students to be in positions of leadership. If you ask ChatGPT, the AI, what it can't do, it will tell you it can't make leadership decisions. It can't come up with original ideas. It doesn't have emotional intelligence. Those are all things we need to be developing in the students because we now have the technology that can do the following, which means we need students to be in a position to lead and make those decisions rather than just obey and follow the, the leader, so to speak. We need them to be the leader. You know, I, I love that you said that because that's where I kind of want to take this. And our next piece of this series is going to be about developing those leaders and how we do that, and both at your level and at my level, because... You mentioned failure and how failure is required in entrepreneurship to get better. Well, failure is required in leadership to get better. You know, I, I was listening to somebody speak the other day and they said, you know, leaders, you need leaders because situations are always unclear or difficult. And if situations were unclear and weren't difficult, then there would be no need for leaders. Everything would just kind of motor along okay. So what I took from that is the idea that in leadership, leaders need to make mistakes because whenever a leader sits there and goes, oh, why can't it just be easy? Well, if it were easy, there'd be no need for the leader. And so those are some of the skills that are essential for students that I really want to talk about in our next piece of this leadership development. So thank you for all you've said. You've, you've given the the listeners a ton to listen to and think about as far as the grand overview, basically of divergent view, where we need to go and, and some of the issues that we're really seeing start to emerge because of new technologies that are coming about in our current education system and really the need to change from that industrial model to something that fits better. So really, thanks for taking the time today. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. I'm really looking forward to the next next episode and hope the listeners are getting a lot out of it. Yeah, I mean, I'll put it in the show notes, but just while people, so people, I, I'm a firm believer in people hearing it and then people being able to click on it. What's the easiest way people can get in touch with you, reach out to you, to divergent you or anything like that, just as they close off this episode? Yeah, first would be go to Divergent U's website. So it's just divergent-u.com. And then if you want to reach out to me personally, you can email me at samterrell at gmail.com. You can also reach out to me on Instagram, just samterrell. So you can leave that in the, in the show notes. I'm happy. I do a lot of podcasts, speak at schools, things like that. I'd be happy to chat with anybody who's uh, interested in the conversation for any anything. That's awesome, Sam. Thanks. And listeners, as always, thanks for listening to the episode of Seeing to Lead. You know, there's a lot out there that we can be doing to better support, engage, and empower those we serve. And this is just one fantastic opportunity and avenue to do it. You know, listening to all the things that Sam said, if if any of it resonated with you or any of it stuck out, please reach out to Sam and even better, share this episode 
and let us know, both Sam and I, what some of your biggest takeaways were on those social media channels so that we can get in touch with you and we can share it around as well. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you in the next episode of Seeing Sleep. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you have heard here today. Hey, thanks for listening to the Seeing to Lead podcast. If you would like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Dr. C.S. Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Seeing to Lead podcast today, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating or review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Also, one last thing. Have you had a chance to pick up my latest five-star rated book yet? Grab your copy of Seeing to Lead anywhere you buy books or at seeingtolead.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-T-O-L-E-A-D.com where you can learn more and continue to improve. Now go have a successful week. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out My Flex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com B-E.